So let's get right into this tonight. I've got some things on my heart that I really want to get uh, into your heart. Uh, go to the book of Galatians chapter 6. Anybody bring a Bible to church tonight? <laughs> Pastors, do you bring your Bibles? Um, this is going to kind of give you more heart behind this whole time together because, again, this is really unique in our hearts. This is a passion of ours. And we've done everything we know how to do to communicate this passion to our staff and the people you're going to meet over the next couple of days who are here to serve you. Um, but you guys, um, we're passionate about you. We're passionate about the decision and the choices you've made in what you're doing with your life. And Sarah and I love you so very much. And I know the Lord has connected us and he's put you in our hearts. And, and I know so many of you, we're in your hearts. Um, but I want you to see this and understand why in Galatians chapter 6, um, verse 9, you've heard it before, you've preached it before, says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Other translations say if we do not faint. In other words, if we don't quit. If we don't quit, we'll reap. And I know you've heard it and I've heard it, but I want you to see verse 10. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, everybody say opportunity. opportunity. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let us do good to all as we have opportunity. There are times that opportunity comes to you, but there are other times when you make an opportunity. And I really believe that that's what the Lord instructed us to do with the Legacy Summit and these time that, this time that we have together is create an opportunity to do good to you, to do good for you. Um, and, and the reason I bring that up is because I want you to understand what's in our heart about this time that we have together. It is a... It is a created opportunity, an opportunity that came out of somebody's passion for you and a passion that came out of the Lord's passion for you. And again, the commitment you've made to him at a young age, all of us at this age that we're at now to give our hearts and our lives and our families to the things of God and to the call of God. And once again, not waiting decades from now to hear a thank you. Now, somebody who's been in it and at it for decades they deserve honor and, and, and they have all our honor. But there's something in us about our generation. Amen? Amen. Our generation. There's something in us and there's something in you that's for them. Every, every minister is called to serve their generation. That's what the word minister means. It means servant. I hope that's not revelation to anybody in here tonight. <laughs> to, to minister literally means to serve. And every one of us are called to, as servants to serve our generation. And this common bond that all of us have with each other, that we've made this commitment um, at an early age. I'm looking across the room and we're still all so young at this point. Uh, but yet there's so many, Michael and Kara, I mean, you guys, how long have you been in the church? It's like pushing 10 years, right? Nine years. Uh, uh, Jordan and Melissa celebrated 10 years this past year. I mean, we're at an age now where we've been doing this five years, 10 years. And I just hear this in our hearts so big. The Lord just going, thank you. Thank you for not losing heart. Thank you for not fainting. Thank you for not quitting. And you're going to have opportunity to quit later, but, but don't. And I'll thank you then too. Don't quit. Don't give up. But this opportunity that we have, it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity. Uh, the thing about opportunities is they don't last forever. You've got to act on them while you have them. And that's what I believe this is. It's an opportunity that the Lord instructed us to create to get each other together and let him just love on us and love on each other through each other. But notice what he said here. Do good to all. But then there's this next word, especially, especially. That word especially means above all. If you look it up, it means above all, most of all, especially to who? To the household of faith, to the household of faith. Now you can read that one of two ways. And of course, the household of faith, in a general sense, we all belong to this, 
this household of faith. We're, we're born again people. We're, we're children of God. We are in God's house. But, and this will mean something to every single one of you, and I mean every single one of you. There's also, and you probably hear it the way I do, there's the household of faith. Okay, I, I am of the Christian faith. But then there's the household of faith. Right? You know what I mean, faith people. Come on. I mean, who in here would say we are of faith people? Word and faith people. Whether, whether the label got put on with a good motive or a pure heart, no matter what it means to other people in the world right now, we is that, we are that, we will be that. We are faith people. Personally, I feel like I was born in the household of faith. I tell people all the time, like the actual one, <laughs> the actual one. But some of you have the exact same roots, if you will, that I do, don't you? The same roots. I think it's interesting that we use that phraseology, roots or family tree, right? Yeah. To talk about where we come from, what our heritage is. Every single one of you, I'm looking around right now. Who's a Rama graduate in here? Bam, 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 bam. Look at that. Rhema graduates everywhere. Who grew up in a word and faith environment? Word church. Bam, bam, bam. Who, who is a word church? I'm looking at Devon and Stacy right here. I, got a, I watched a, a YouTube clip from Devon today. 30-second clip. And you know what he said for the entire 30 seconds? Have faith in God. This is a faith man right here. That's who we are. That's where we're from. That's, that's, those are our roots. Those are our roots. We are of the household of faith. And when I started studying this today, that, that scripture really came to me with force today. The household of faith. Take this opportunity to do good, especially above all, to the household of faith. And when I read that and when you hear that, I want you to to bear in mind not just, not just abiding in the vine of Jesus, which we are and do, but abiding, man, I'm getting way ahead of myself here, abiding in the roots of where we come from. That's why this is a, it's an invitation only event. And we're not trying to be snobby about it. We're not trying to be exclusive. Part of it, part of it is, it's not that big a room. But... <laughs> But secondly, how many know you can say some things to family that you can't say to everybody else? There's a way that family speaks to one another and understands each other that other people don't understand. And right or wrong and like it or not, us faith people, we got our own language, don't we? We have our own vocabulary sometimes. And for a lot of Christians, it might sound like, we're talking pig Latin or something or Chinese or Greek or whatever, because we are naming and we are claiming and we are blabbing and we are grabbing and we are in this billion flow. And we are, I mean, all these words that, that we've made up, they're faith words, you know, and I believe and I receive and all of it. And, and I'm not knocking any of that. That's who we are. I'm just trying to tell you, there's a way that family talks with each other. And those of you who are in here right now, you're here because you are of the household of faith. You're of the family of faith. This hit me today. You have your own branch on the faith family tree. There's a branch with you on it and your church and your ministry. Those are your roots. But what's interesting when you start looking at this verse and kind of picking it apart. I got so excited about it today, and, and I did what I normally do, I, and you guys do too. I know you do. You take out your phone or your iPad, right? And you, you're going to start studying a verse. What do you do? You open what? The Bible app. And you start looking at, looking at it in all these translations. Can I tell you what the verse of the day is on the Bible app today? Take the opportunity to do good to all who are of the household of faith. I saw that today. I was like, are you kidding me right now? I called Sarah. She wasn't at the house. I was like, this is the, the, before she left, I was talking to her about this scripture. And then I called her 20 minutes later. I'm like, it's the verse of the day. 
on the app. Come on, that's not a coincidence. No, no. The Lord did that for this hand, excuse me, handful of people that are in here tonight. And what I found out about the word household, it's, it means what you think it means. It's family. But there's a word that goes along with it that has been in our hearts for you in this meeting from the very beginning. When we started asking each other, what is it, what, what is it we can provide in this environment that you guys couldn't get by going to any one of the amazing church and leadership conferences that are happening every day of the calendar all year long in various places all over the world. I believe the one thing that, that's at the heart of this that may not be at some of the others is intimacy. It's a small group, and that's by design. That's the direction and the instruction of the Lord. Those of you who were a part of this a couple of years ago, you may remember we started talking about renting a hotel ballroom, inviting 100 or 200 people, and that wasn't it. That was not it. That's not what the Lord said do. Yeah. And the more we pressed into his plan for this, that, that opportunity for intimacy and a closeness seemed to be what was so on his heart for this time. And man, there's an intimacy that family can have that they shouldn't have with people outside the family. That's right. You can have friends, you can have acquaintances, but there's some stuff family should know about you that other people don't, right? And that comes, that intimacy builds trust. Trust. So what's in, again, I keep saying this, and, and I hope you understand, what's in our heart for this is that, number one, we've created an opportunity to do good and to say thank you to the household of faith, but that this intimacy comes out of that. And I keep thinking about this. It's going over and over in me, this household of faith, the household of faith. And I know so many of you like me growing up in the household of faith, man, we've seen some stuff. Have we not? I mean, there are things that go on in faith churches. I'm almost sure don't go on anywhere else in the world. <laughs> now, every family's got their own stuff. Don't ever start thinking that, why do all the weird ones have to come to my place? There are, there are weird ones everywhere. Every family has that member of the family, don't they? Oh, I'm so sorry we forgot to invite you. you know? Every family has that. Um, but right or wrong, we, I mean, we've seen some stuff in these services that I know that I've grown up in. I know you've seen some stuff. I grew up going to conventions. That's like family reunions on crack. Because <laughs> you got family members from, they're all household of faith. But man, they show up at 6 a.m. It's like Black Friday down at Walmart. And they are plowing people down, trying to get to the front row. Because I want to see Brother Copeland. I'm going to touch the hem of his suit or something <laughs> stupid, you know. And, or everybody, every family has that. We've seen some stuff. We've heard some stuff. But besides the weirdness and besides the stuff that every family's got, there are some things that you and I, being in and of the household of faith, have seen and have heard that not every family gets to see and hear. How many of you would say that your faith roots have had an impact on your life and the way you live? Even from the time of being a child. I'm thinking about Josh and Joey over here, these brothers. I think they grew up in the same household I did. We've told each other stories about, about our parents requiring confessions to be made <laughs> on a daily basis. And they, the day starts with them, the day ends with them. And if you need something, that's what you go to. And I mean, that was just the way I grew up. I know that's the way you guys grew up. And that's not in every household. But there's some stuff you and I have seen and heard being in the household of faith that not everybody gets to see and hear. The word on the level that we've heard it. And again, looking around this room, you Rhema graduates, you Living Word Minnesota people, you KCM convention going people, you, you those are connected back to faith family. And I'm, I'm just, I could go down the line, every person in this room You've heard word on a level that most of the world hasn't. Would you agree? Let me, let's get into this a little bit because I think this is what the Lord wants to show us. 
Go to Proverbs. Actually, just put this one on the screen. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12 in the New Living Translation. Look at this. It says, ears to hear. Uh Oh, thank you, babe. Ears to hear and eyes to see. Both are what? They're gifts from the Lord. Ears that hear and eyes that see are a gift from God. This isn't obviously just naturally speaking. How many of you know that hearing the voice of God in your life, those moments when you know that you've heard the voice of your good shepherd, you know you heard him speak to you, you opened up the word and it was like that verse you'd read a thousand times before came alive and you heard it. Things you had heard before, this time you heard them. That's a gift. That's a gift. Seeing the things that we have seen. I mean, we've seen miracles. We've seen demonstrations and manifestations of Jesus. All of this is a gift. They're not things we gave ourselves. They're not things we could have made up ourselves. They're not things we could have bestowed upon ourselves. Every one of them are gifts from God. And the moment you saw something, he was giving you a gift. When you heard his voice, he was giving you a gift. Eyes that see and ears that hear are gifts from God. Go to Matthew chapter 13. Look at this in Jesus' ministry. Matthew 13, verse 19. Jesus, right here, had just been preaching the parable of the sower. And all you preachers know this one. A sower went out to sow. And some seed fell on the wayside, and some seed fell on stony ground, and some seed fell among the thorns, and some seed fell on the good ground. But you notice what he says here in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 13. What verse did I tell you? I say 19. Go to verse 9. Chapter 13, verse 9, at the end of this parable, what did Jesus say? He who has ears to hear, what? Let him hear. Let him hear this. And then the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? Why are you talking to them like this? Why don't you just come out and say it? (laughs) In other words, all these people came to hear you talk. All these people came to see you do something. And I'm sure they really appreciate all the advice on agriculture and where to sow and and where not to sow and all of that. But what's with the parables? And Jesus, this was his response to it. He answered and said to them, because it has been what? Given. Given. There's a gift in operation here. There's a gift that's coming here, and it's coming from God to the people. How? Through Jesus. Well, right there, you know grace is in operation because that's how grace comes. It comes as a gift from God to you through Jesus. He says, to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So here you see again, not everybody gets the same thing. I know that sounds funny to a lot of people, but he's saying, he's saying, look, you're being given something that not every every other person is being given. And he goes on to explain this. He says in verse 12, whoever has to him more will be given and he will have in abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So there's a big difference here, right? Everybody saw Jesus, but precious few saw Jesus. Everybody out there that day heard him, but so few heard him, right? He says in verse 14, in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and not understand, seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes. Why? For they see. Blessed are your eyes for they see. Blessed are your ears. Why? Because they hear. You're seeing what not everybody else is getting to see. You're hearing what not everybody else is getting to hear. Need to fix me. Notice this. 
Your eyes are blessed. Your ears are blessed. Why? Verse 17. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? Him. I mean, from the fall of man to that point, anybody with a heart to hear God, prophets, the prophets of old, this is who they were looking for. And they could see him in here, kinda. All they knew was he's coming. He's coming, they'd say. There's one coming. The government will be upon his shoulders. The chastisement of our peace will be upon him and by his stripes will be healed. He's coming. He's not here yet, but he's coming. And this is what all of history was moving towards to this point. And Jesus is saying to these guys, your eyes are blessed. Your ears are blessed because you're getting to see. It's being given to you. You, you have been given the gift of a seeing eye. You have been given the gift of a hearing ear. It's a gift. That's right. It's a gift. That's good. And it's not one everybody has. That's right. wow. Now, I believe everybody has opportunity right. and access. Right. But even Jesus said, look, it's been given to you and not to them. Right. Yeah. This, is, this is weighty stuff. Yeah. Blessed are your eyes for they see. Blessed are your ears for they hear. You and I are so blessed. Yeah. Are we not? So blessed to have heard the word we've heard because not all the world has. Now, this word has gone all over the world and millions upon millions have been affected by it. And the world has been touched by it. And there are things that are commonplace today in the world that weren't 40 years ago because these men and women, our roots, our roots, preached Jesus and preached the uncompromising word of faith at all cost and at the risk of being rejected by men all over the world. And they were. And they were rejected by most of the rest of the household. And they said, I can't help it. It's burning in me and I got to preach it. And I'm so thankful they did. I'm so thankful they did. Our eyes have been blessed. Our ears have been blessed to be, of course, to be in the, the, the greater family of the household of God, to be his child. There's, there's nothing that compares. But this other, this tree within a tree, <laughs> if that is such a thing, this tree within this tree of being in the household of the word of faith, we're blessed. We're blessed. But look at this. Let me show you something. In Mark chapter 4, go there with me. And I'm, I'm going to stand right by these notes because some of this is new to me. Some of this hit me about 48 hours ago. And I'm like, Lord, are you sure? And so I'm, a, I'm just going to stay right here where I can see this. Mark chapter 4 is actually the same account of what we just read in Matthew 13. It's the parable of the sower. Now, you don't see all the explanation that you see in Matthew 13, but I want you to put these things together of what has just happened and not what's just happened in Mark chapter 4. Take a quick synopsis of what happened from Mark chapter 1 to Mark chapter 4. I mean, in, over the course of these four chapters, Jesus has met and introduced himself to these disciples. Odd as that was, just cold walk up to somebody and say, hey, follow me. And they say, Okay. <laughs> I just go for it. God, what, what must have been in his eyes? Seriously, for a, for a man who was a professional by trade, a fisherman and a career fisherman to just drop it because of whatever he saw, whatever he what? Saw. saw and whatever he heard in this man's voice. There was enough there was enough drawing power in the words, follow me, that like pulled him to his destiny. So that happens. <laughs> and then uh, Mark chapter 2, 
really throughout Mark chapter one, I mean, he's casting out demons and all these guys are seeing this. He's preaching in the synagogues. He's healing people. Mark chapter two, they're literally in a house where he's preaching and there's so packed out, nobody can get in. And the roof starts caving in above them and they Talk about seeing stuff in church, man. <laughs> Nothing you or I have seen in church compares to somebody tearing off the roof of this place, trying to get a paralyzed friend down to the feet of Jesus. All this is going on. Uh, Jesus is in Peter's house healing his mother-in-law, which Jesus or Peter was probably happy with, I would think, right? Uh, more preaching in the synagogues, more preaching, more preaching, more healing, more teaching, more unclean spirits cast out. There was a lot of demon-possessed people back then, and Jesus is just casting them out. Somewhere in Mark chapter 2 or chapter 3, they're bringing the entire city to him. But I want you to keep in mind, all of this happens after Jesus has already said to these guys, come follow me, and they said, okay, so what's going on? They are, they're what? They're seeing it. And they're hearing it. Come on, faith people. What happens when you hear? Faith comes. That's what happens. Faith comes. So then you get to Mark chapter 4, and it's almost all red. I mean, Jesus is just preaching, preaching, preaching. The sower sows the word. And this is this ground. And this is that ground. And the, the seed is the word. And it sprang up and produced a hundredfold, you know, some 30, some 60, some a hundredfold. And he's preaching, 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 preaching the word. What's supposed to be coming? Faith, faith, faith. And then you get down in the same chapter. Look at verse 35, Mark chapter four. It says on the same day, somebody say same day. Same day, same day is what? Same day as he said to them, blessed are your eyes for they see. Same day. All this happened on the same day. Blessed are your ears, for they heard. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. Jesus was not a one-boat ministry, evidently. <laughs> and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat in the boat. What's that preacher need with all them boats? Man. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the pillow and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and re he rebuked the wind and the sea. He said, peace, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, how many of you have ever heard a message preached out of Mark chapter Four about Jesus, you know, shouting peace at the storm. How many of you have preached a message out of Mark chapter four? Well, man, as I was looking at this, uh, all the all the normal stuff that when you're in the household of faith, when you hear this preached, all the normal stuff comes back to you, right? And now, how is it that you have no faith? How is it you're so full of fear? Notice this: if you're full of fear, there's no faith. <laughs> Say amen if you believe it. <laughs> Speaking our language, right? Where there's, where there's fear, your faith is contaminated. And if there's no fear, then you're full of faith. But you can't be full of faith and full of fear at the same time. And we've always put that emphasis on fearful and no faith. Right. And it's good. It's right. And, and there's even things I see in this about how they came and they woke, woke him up and said, you don't care. You don't care. Man, if there's anything... You ever tell the Lord, don't let it be that. <laughs> don't ever find yourself accusing him of not caring for you. When that's all he ever did was care for you. Faith works by love. So where there is no revelation of love, there is no operation of faith. Right? This is all good faith stuff right here, isn't it? This is good household of faith preaching right now. Where there's no revelation of love, there's no operation of faith. Because perfect, perf perfect, perfect love casts out fear. So now there's room for faith. I mean, you, you could preach it. You could just, we could trade spots right now and you could preach it. But two days ago, the Lord put the emphasis on a new word for me that I don't think I've ever seen it in this light. 
And Jesus asked them two questions. And I want to take the emphasis off the fear and the faith. And I want to see if you hear this in a different way. In verse 40, he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it? You hear that? How is it? What's that mean? How's this possible? How is it you have no faith? Come on, you're going to have to open up your heart to, to, to get this. Listen to this. Why are you? Why are you so fearful? Now, there's plenty of reason to be afraid here. I mean, this boat is literally a rockin'. <laughs> and it's filling up and it's beginning to sink and they're afraid for their lives. But he says to them, why are, why are you? Why are you so fearful? How is it? I keep hearing him say this, and you, you got you to gotta take your eyes off the, the printed word on the page for a second and get the essence and the spirit of, of what this leader, this ministry leader, was asking the people that are following him and, and hear the, the spirit in what he's saying. How is it, guys? How is this possible? Man, does anybody else hear this? How is it possible that you have no faith? The, the, the sad fact is that most of the rest of the world at that time and this one has no faith. Right, right, right. No faith. Why? Why do they have no faith? Because they've heard no word. They've heard no word. That, that's sad, but it's understandable. You cannot hold somebody who's never heard and never seen. You can't hold them accountable. You can't hold them responsible for not having any faith. <laughs> You just can't. So listen to the question that Jesus is asking here. Why? You guys. You guys. Why are you? Of all these people, why are you so full of fear? And I think we get it in our head that Jesus walked around all knowing all the time. And there were times when he knew people's thoughts and he perceived their thoughts. But those are moments. Those are isolated moments. And the ministry and the giftings of the Holy Spirit were in operation in him. But there are other times when he is asking people direct questions and is expecting an answer. And not one that I would say he even, I I know I got to tread lightly right here. I think he really, really wants to know. Because that same day, he told them, you have eyes. You've seen some stuff. You have ears that have heard the word and seen the word made flesh. How is it? Somebody, please explain to me. How is it that you, of all people, have no faith? Have no faith. They answer it in the next verse. Verse 41, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, what? Who is this? Who in the world is this? Now, after everything they've seen and everything they've heard, they're still standing there looking at this man going, who can this possibly be? Now, praise God, they get there. (laughs) They do. But no matter the word they've heard, no matter the miracles they've seen, if there's still no revelation of who Jesus is and the place he holds in all of eternity past and all of eternity future, then faith, no matter what you've heard on the level you've heard it on, without a revelation of him, it's cold, it's lifeless, and it produces nothing. Look at it again. Go to... um, Help me, Lord. Go, to, go back to Matthew chapter 14. How is this possible? Matthew 14. Here's another one you have heard preached way too many times. 
Matthew 14, verse 26. You, you know this, another instance where they're out on the sea and the storm arose. After Jesus had made him get into the boat, verse 22, he sent him to the other side. He, he sent the multitudes away. He went away to pray. Verse 24, the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. That word contrary just means against them. The wind was against them and not for them. <laughs> The wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Anybody ever preached something out of this passage before? And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying it is a ghost and they cried out for fear. Notice this, verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, which does not mean be happy. That's a, that's a terrible old English phrase that we have no idea what it really means. This be of good cheer is to be said with the same force and the same intensity that God spoke to Joshua with and said, be strong and be courageous. And when God starts throwing around this little word be, stuff changes. Remember, like way back early on, light be. Same thing happened in Joshua. Courage be. Strength be. That's what be of good cheer means. We, I think we, it's like a Christmas saying to us or something, be happy. That's not what Jesus said. He said, you take courage. Take it. Well, that's faith right there, isn't it? He says three things to him. Take your courage. Number two, he says, it is I. It's me. You know what that says to me? That he could, all he had to say was, hey, no, it's cool, it's me. It's that same level of familiarity that you have, where? In a family. Within a household. Devon, you don't call Stacy and have to reintroduce yourself to her over the phone every time. She knows the voice. And all you have to say is what? Hey, it's me. It's me. That's all he said. It's me. And then he said to him, do not be afraid. Three things Jesus said. Take your courage. Really, it is the same thing God said to Joshua. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? It's me. I'm here. It's me. And then do not be afraid. Peter, gotta love Peter, verse 28. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come on. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous or that when the wind was strong, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and said to him, I got you, baby. It's OK. It's OK. Come here. Come here. To, come here to Jesus. Is that what he said to him? No. He said, oh, you of little faith. You look that up, it means little trust. Too, too little trust. Sarah and I didn't talk about this, and for her to, to sit here tonight and sing, Oh, for grace to trust you more. Jesus said to Peter, Trust is too small. And then he said to him, Another question, why did you doubt? Okay, so faith people, what do we normally do? You have little faith, why did you doubt? But and it's good and it's right. But come on, get, get the essence of it again. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And, and it almost it's like obvious, Jesus, why he would have doubted. You know, he's he's on water and, and not sinking. And then, you know, the winds come. And, and so so what is it that Peter doubted? Did he did he doubt? His own ability to walk on the water? Well, yeah, uh, of course. But that's not what this is about. What is it Peter doubted? He doubted something. That word doubt, Greek duo, it means twice. It literally means twice. What did he think twice about? Come on, go back. See if you can find it. What did he think twice about? Where's that doubt? Let me give you a hint. You, you ever heard Brother Copeland or any of the other, the root of the faith preachers say, the, the badge of doubt? What if? If? Right? If? The badge of doubt? 
if this doesn't happen, well, yeah, well, what if it doesn't happen? Yeah, I'm believing God, but what if it doesn't happen? Come on, faith folks. I know you've heard it. What did Peter say? Everybody was afraid, and Jesus dealt with the fear. He said, take your courage. It's me. Do not be afraid. And what did Peter say? If. If it is you. Now, I don't know that I've seen it quite like this before. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still a little confused about the whole thing. <laughs> because we've so applauded Peter, you know, for getting out of the boat. But I, I, I got to ask him, what, why is it that to verify whether or not this is Jesus, why does it have to be, tell me to walk on the water? <laughs> why does it got to be that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, this is family. Why can't it just be Jesus if it really is you? How many fingers am I holding behind my back? What's wrong with that? You know what I mean? Jesus, if it, if it really is you, say the secret password. The password is you know, cinnamon. Jesus, if it really is you, if it's you, what song did I sing for you on your birthday? Why, happy birthday, of course. Elf, anybody? Okay. See, household, we know this stuff. Why does it have to be, tell me to come out there? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's bold, I guess, but I keep coming back to this other thing. If that really is you, if that really is you, what's the problem here? Jesus said it was him. Listen to the spirit he spoke to them in. Why should there be any doubt? Here are the two choices, Jesus or ghost, Jesus or demon. And he says, take courage. It's I. Do not be afraid. Sometimes demons tell you to not be afraid. Sometimes demons tell you to take. No, they don't. It's so, it should be so clear, right? It should be, right? If it is you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, okay, come. So it couldn't have been all wrong, but I, my heart just keeps coming back to this thing. Then at the end of it, instead of applauding Peter, if it really was the right thing to do, instead of applauding him, the first thing he said to him, I mean, Peter's soaking wet still. I mean, he hasn't even let him dry off or nothing. He didn't pull him aside. He didn't have a special conference with him later. He didn't try to spare him any embarrassment. It was, you have too little trust. You have too little trust. How is it you have no faith? Why did you doubt? Why, why when, you weren't, when you were back there in the boat, why didn't you just hear my voice and see me? See and hear. See and hear. They saw him and they heard him. And you, you can disagree with this. I, this is just what the Lord's, I feel like he's saying to me. Peter had opportunity to say, it's okay, it's Jesus. It's okay, it's Jesus. Instead, it was, if it is you, tell me to do something stupid. <laughs> and the Lord will let you, I guess. Lord ever let you do something stupid? Anybody? And I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, but man, I'm seeing this more clearly than I've ever seen it before, that Jesus is actually questioning these guys. You, of all people, what you've seen and what you've heard, where's your faith? And I got to be honest with you, the reason this is coming so strong right now is because I think he asked it to me. This is about two or three days ago. How is it, Jeremy, that you have no faith? I put you in the household of faith. I have put you under word that has changed the world over. I have shown you things and caused you to hear things that precious few in, in light of the billions that have lived and the billions that presently live. How is it, Jeremy? That right now in this moment, you have no faith. 
you're, you're sitting in a building that the Lord put us in. There's no doubt about it in my mind. He brought us here and he did a miracle. And maybe we'll get to tell you about it if you don't already know the story. But he did it. And the part of the building you're sitting in right now, we're, we're leasing this studio. We're, in just a moment, we're going to go have dinner together. That's the building we bought. We own that. We own it debt-free. It's free and clear. God did it. To him be the glory. He did it. He told us to be here, and then he showed us how he'd provide for it. He did it. He did it. He did it. And gave us a preaching story for the rest of our lives in ministry. But what I've sensed over the last few months since we've been here is, is everything that it's taken to build that out and the, and the plan that's growing on the inside and the vision that's growing on the inside and, and the checks we keep writing and the checks we keep writing and the checks we keep writing and, and the checks we keep writing and all of that. I mean, this is a new experience for us. And, and well, for a lot of people, it'd be small. For us, it's big. And we believe the next step in this, uh, with the most light that we've got right now, is to purchase this building that we're in. And I've done a really good job over the last several months of guarding my mouth. Faith Boy gets an A plus <laughs> on guarding his mouth. Not so much on guarding my heart. I have, there are times I've allowed that pressure to start to get to me and the thought of how, how's this going to happen? How are we going to do this? And are we going to have enough to do this and that? And we got 30 of our friends coming and are we going to be able to do this? And again, I know enough, man. You know enough to guard this. But it, I could sense that it was really weighing on me. Just a few days ago, like first week of October, I got to actually go see my grandfather. Um, we were in Branson at the same time they were, and I took the kids over there. Actually, before I took the kids over there to see them, I just went and had some lunch with them. We were sitting down just talking. Uh, we're not often in the same place at the same time, and sometimes we're away from home at the same place. And so we kind of take those opportunities. But I just started talking to him about what's going on here and what we're doing and these steps we're taking and all that. And, you know, I thought I was just talking. And I told him, I said, man, I, I really believe I need some correction or some direction or something because you've been where I'm at and you are where I'm going. So, so just talk, you know. And he said, well... I can tell you the first thing is you need to cast the care. I can hear it in your voice. You're carrying the care. And that, that's doubt. And I knew it, but I, man, what, I preached a year or more, a whole series of messages called Who Cares? Probably in some of your churches. I know better than this. I know better than this, faith people, faith friends, faith buddies, faith family. I know better. I know better than to allow that to get in my heart. I know how to cast the care. I've been taught how to cast the care. I've been taught how to roll these things over. I've been taught how to live and how to walk by faith. And yet I'm letting this thing start to crowd me on the inside and start to press me. And Jesus, in His compassion and in his mercy, not with any frustration, not with any, any what's it, reproving or, or condemnation. He says, Jeremy, how is it right now that you have no faith in this? And man, out of that came an assignment for you and I. Folks, it's time to get back up on our faith. Amen. Amen. You know better. Yeah. Yeah. I know better. Yes. The word we've heard and the gifts that we've been given. How is it possible that you and I would have no faith? It's only possible when you don't know the value of the gift you've been given. When you put something in somebody's hand, you put a tool in somebody's hand, you put ability or resource in their hand, the only way they don't get done what they need to get done with it is if they have no idea what it is or they have no idea how to use it. I could put a stack of $100 bills 
in my two-year-old daughter's hands. <laughs> and you know what she would think? Not food. That's all she would know. She had no idea what this can do, what you're supposed to do with it. She'd probably much rather have the box it came in. <laughs> and when you and I fail to see Jesus for who he is, and you're going to have to learn to see him through the storm. That's right. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That was a problem. There was a bunch of stuff in the way. The wind was blowing. The waves were big. The boat's rocking. And there's stuff trying to get between them. But you're going to have to come back to what you saw and what you heard when he called you into the ministry and he equipped you for this thing and he enabled you and he graced you and you saw him with your own eyes. And when the pressure comes in and the storm rises against you, it's time to go back to your roots. It's time to plug back into that vine that you and I both come from and not just have the ability to preach the message. Man, live it. You know what we got to do? You know what we got to do? Start talking to stuff again. Start talking to stuff again. I caught myself yesterday. Some guy from the county office comes out here and starts going through permits that, that we don't have and should have on these buildings. And his words to me were, you're in a bind. You're in a bind. And do you know how many times I repeated those words yesterday? Telling Sarah, what? oh, he said we're in a bind. Telling somebody on our staff, well, he said we're in a bind. Telling, telling the other guys on the property, he said we're in a bind. The Lord got all up in my face today and said, won't you start saying what I said about it? That no weapon formed against you will prosper. See, what this guy told me was, some of your neighbors have complained. Evidently, we live by some cranky people. But he said, once you put my words in your mouth, faith man, faith boy, once you start saying no weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you'll condemn it because that's your heritage. That's what that verse says. This is your heritage and they are of me, says the Lord. There's your roots right there. How many times did I have to say I'm in a bind? I'm in a bind. I'm in a bind. Folks, quit taking it laying down. You rhema people, you know better. You living word people, you know better. You KCM people, you know better. You faith family people, we know better. Do we not? We know better. When stuff comes against us, we put his word in our mouth and we say it till we believe it more than we believe the report. Because that's our root. That's our root. Now, there's people that hear that and they think it's crazy. They think you can't change things with words. Well, guess what? They hadn't been given the, the gift we've been given. We've been given a gift. The gift of knowing how to live and walk by faith. And man, this has come up in me so, so strong in the last several months. The Lord did this for us. A year ago, right now, he directed us to go to Keith Moore's church in Branson till he said stop. That's an eight-hour drive, y'all. Wow. It's like, should we have given away that airplane? Because we could really use it right now. Eight-hour drive with a two-year-old who doesn't like being in the car for like 30 minutes. And man, it was taxing on us and it was taxing on us, but we'd go and get in that environment and just walk into it and that spirit of faith would just rise up in us. And it was like, man, nothing's impossible when you're in this place. <laughs> Nothing is impossible. And we had to hear this word and hear this word on faith in God and faith in God and faith in God. And there's so much revelation right now in the body of Christ on other things. And I'm all for it. I am all for it. Absolutely. And we can learn things from other families. Don't, don't misunderstand me and, say that and, and think that I'm saying we're the end all be all. We're not. But you got to stay on the tree you were born out of. What happens to a branch when you break it off the vine? It's dead. And it's really hard to put a branch on another tree. You're on this tree for a reason. 
You're on this tree for a reason. And the stuff, and I use that word decidedly, stuff that's come against you and trying to weigh on you, the people problems, the money problems, the strife issues, all this stuff, all this wind, all these waves, you're going to have to come back and lock your eyes on Jesus and let the vine feed your faith. And get back up on your faith. Put his words in your mouth and say what you've heard him say. Declare what you've seen in your past. We're going to have to do this. Guys, family issues, marriage issues, whatever. And I, and, and I know, Sarah and I know, because we know you guys. We, we, we've talked and we know you got stuff. Everybody does. Everybody does. But we also know this by the Spirit. Sarah has prayed this. I've prayed this. And it's come up in a number of times that there are one or more of you in here that the last X amount of months or weeks or whatever have been agony. It's been agonizing. Here's your answer. Start speaking the word to it again. Yes. That's good. Now there's two reasons for this and I'm going to be done. This whole thing is supposed to fill up in you. This spirit of faith is supposed to take over and fill you up. But it's not supposed to stop there. It's supposed to overflow. It's supposed to overflow. That's what fruit hanging on a branch is. It's the overflow of what was in that seed. How many times did Jesus call faith a seed? That fruit hanging on the branch, the result of you abiding in the vine, if you abide in me and my words, my words, my words, we are word people, we are faith people, and if that word and that faith abides in you, you will bear fruit. It's just going to happen. That's how it is. That's how he said it's going to be. But it's supposed to fill up in you and overflow out of you. Me and you, we're faith preachers. Amen. I don't know if you tried to run from that. <laughs> I don't know if maybe you didn't want to be labeled that. But that's what you are. Unless you just don't want to be. And there are folks that have been born into this tree and don't, don't want to be. And they're doing something else. Yeah. And by the mercy of God, he'll help them. Because he loves people. But me and you, you're here in this room tonight because that's your legacy. That's your heritage. You are of the household of faith. You've seen way too much. You've heard way too much. You've been given this gift. And if it's not working for you, it's because you're not using it. It's because you're not using it. I mean... What's it do to you just to hear that good faith, nourishing word? Buddy, what did, what did that guy who invited you to his church say? Come turn that faith hose yeah, on. Faith hose. Turn that faith hose on my people. Yeah. <laughs> I love it though. That's what they know this man to be. That's what they know this ministry as. Faith. And they may not like you until they need you. And people just know it. They come to a point where they're like, I need some faith. Called Vaughn. <laughs> but they should be able to call any one of us. Come turn that faith hose on me and my people. And if there's been lack of any kind, any kind, financial, any kind at all, turn that faith hose on, guys. Come on, go back to the roots. Go back to the roots. Go back to the roots. Get up and walk by faith. Husbands, wives, if you've got something against you, don't, don't take this thing laying down. Get up out of the floor. Fight it. Thank you. That's it. That's a fight. You put his words in your mouth and you fight to stay at rest. Wouldn't you agree you and I have heard some stuff? We've seen some stuff, and it's high level. It's so rich. Brother Keith yeah. said it while we were going to church over there for the last year. He said, the level of word you receive determines the level of life you will live. Yeah. 
The quality of life you will live. The quality of the word you receive determines the quality of the life you will live. And it is so true. Man, I had to be in an environment where miracles were happening all the time, where, where needs were getting met, needs were getting met. And still, I'm sitting over there in the little corner of my house going, how are we going to pay for this building? And sitting there in the presence of my grandfather that day, do you know how small this need all of a sudden felt? This thing that I, was so big to me for so long, in the presence of faith personified, it felt so small. Almost to the point where I felt silly talking about it. I really did. Here's, I'm sitting across from a man who just bought a television network and is believing God day after day to provide for it and to pay for it and as well as to provide payroll and benefits and dental for about 500 other people. All of a sudden, this felt so small. <laughs> and it's good for you to do that. It's good for you to take your problem and just shine some light on it. And say, you ain't that big. You are not that big. I'm a faith man. I'm a faith woman. Amen? Amen. Amen.